What's up, everybody? How's it going? Happy January 18th.、Um, happy Tuesday. And whatever it is that you're excited about today, I hope that includes something、um, that has to do with astronomy and the stars above. Welcome to Space Talk. If this is your first time tuning in, so glad that you could join us.、Um, this podcast is all about talking about everything space. That's literally why I called it Space Talk. I'm your host, Athena Brentsberger.、Uh, you may also know me as Astro Athens, which is、um, sort of my alternate persona.、Uh, no, really, it's actually my platform that I created on astroathens.com that is focused all around astronomy outreach and、uh, STEM education and really focusing on.、Um, Trying to bring astronomy and things that can seem really complex about astrophysics to、uh, the everyday person.、Um, so, if you haven't checked out my website, I'd encourage you to go check that out. I've revamped it recently. And、uh, otherwise, on all of those social media platforms, I do also go by the name Astro Athens.、Uh, you can find things like DIY science experiments, mainly focusing on space. And you might wonder, how do you do a DIY space experiment?、Um, it's all、uh, visual. It's all、um, conceptual. It's all about trying to understand these more complex and kind of out there concepts and theories that comes that when it comes to the universe that can be really hard to grasp when you just sort of think about it.、Um, so I started making a bunch of DIY stuff.、Uh, you can find a lot of that actually on my TikTok、uh, page, which is Astro Athens, and then my Instagram is kind of a coagulation of things like my、um, sorry, not, not not the proper word to use, but kind of a combination of things like. Uh, different videos covering space events and、um, you know going to rocket launches, stuff like that. But、um, the whole point of this、uh, podcast is to really hone in on covering those day-to-day events, whether it's something that you can see in your own backyard、uh, up in the sky, or it's、um, being able to sort of look back in history and explore a little bit about how we got to where we are today. In astronomy and the space industry, so exploring historical figures, which is our weekly、uh, recurring series,、um, also exploring space history,、uh, which is also part of our weekly series. That、uh, we did the episode yesterday. If you haven't tuned into that one, what we do is we look at each week individually in the month, explore what objects are visible in the night sky from both the northern and southern hemispheres. We also look at astronomy word of the week or term of the week, and then of course space history. We also include some deep sky objects and the moon phase.、Um, so this is something I just started doing probably about I'd say maybe a little less than a year ago、uh, for my email subscribers. I started making my newsletter be sort of these recurring themes, and there's a lot that you could see in the night sky. But what I tried to do was take some of the most important things and put those together,、uh, or at least to me personally, the most interesting things like planetary alignments or、um, deep sky objects that might line up perfectly with、um, a- another planet or a constellation. So that it really makes for some cool astrophotography. So if you want to learn a little bit about that, you can definitely、um, head to astroathens.com, scroll to the bottom of the homepage, and you can sign up at where it says the incoming transmission.、Um, totally, you know, just free of charge. I make these really fun. Just sort of send them out. But if you are interested in maybe supporting not only this podcast but just everything that I make on Astroathens, I do have a Patreon page.、Um, so totally up to you. Again, just look up Astroathens. But that's enough about that. Today's episode is focused on. How are space objects named? 
Um, I also sometimes title the show, How Are Celestial Objects Named? And um, this one specifically, I wanted to look at the planets. So last week were the constellations. The week before that were comets. And the planets um, are a little more straightforward, but uh, I was doing kind of a lot of uh, digging about each planet. And as usual, I end up in this like uh, really deep, kind of like essay writing of all my notes. And so whenever I do this podcast, like my notes that I have in front of me that I type up are just obnoxiously long. We don't even get to get to everything sometimes. Um, So I kind of thought about it earlier today of maybe just sort of sharing my notes on my website, creating a separate page that says like, you know, like Astro's notes. Um, it's going to be a little bit unorganized. It's usually in bullet points, uh, but it's what sort of helps me go with my flow whenever I'm doing either a live broadcast like this or if I'm making a TikTok video or YouTube video. Uh, so if you're interested, uh, just let me know if you, if you think that might be a, a pretty fun or good idea. Then I'll actually just start sharing these notes. I have them all is stored in my laptop, and my phone's notes folder. So um, got to go somewhere with it, right? All right, so this week um, we are looking at the planets, the main planets of our solar system. So the main planets of the solar system uh, are eight. There's eight. We are not including Pluto right now. Um, depending on if we get to it, we might explore Pluto and other dwarf planets and then other objects in the Oort cloud. Um, but I wrote so much stuff on the main eight um, planets of our solar system that we're probably not going to get to Pluto, to be honest. Um But that being said, um, we'll also do a separate episode on Pluto and sort of why it ended up uh, being removed from the status of a main planet and why it's, you know, called a dwarf planet. And if it's a dwarf planet, why is it still not considered one of the main planets? But we'll get into that another time. So kind of just coming off right from the start, um, all of the planets except for Earth were named after Greek and Roman gods and goddesses. Jupiter, Saturn, Mars, Venus, and Mercury uh, were actually given their names thousands of years ago. Uh, so I'll get into each and every one of those. Um, but all that being said, Earth is the only one that wasn't named after some form of deity of worship, which is uh, interesting, but it kind of makes sense. And I'll explain a little more when we get to that. So uh, there was Sumerian astronauts, uh, sorry, astronomers, not astronauts, no astronauts yet, uh, Sumerian astronomers that named the sun, moon, and then the five visible planets, so Mercury, Venus, Mars, Jupiter, and Saturn, after their gods that they look up to. And then um, in ancient China, planetary uh, culture was actually looking at naming them after things like fire, uh, water, and wood. And for those of you who don't know about the Sumerian astronomers, uh, Sumer was an ancient civilization that was actually founded in Mesopotamia, the Mesopotamia region of um, the specific region just between the Tigris and the Euphrates rivers. Uh, They're basically known for their innovations in language and government and agriculture. And they were considered some of the creators of civilization um, that modern humans uh, started to form as we started to become a little bit more uh, forming in groups, um, as humans started to sort of form their own tribes and start to build up from that. Um, Again, bigger population of people, um, 
people start to come together uh, out of means of survival as opposed to like living out. And, you know, there still were hunters and gatherers, but as far as having the threats of predators and like, you know, tigers and lions and, and all these different things that could come after you when you're totally living solo, uh, humans started to live together. So similar to how animals tend to live in packs. Um, do you want to think about that? Like lion prides, etc. So this time period was at around 4,500 uh, BC to 1,900 BC. Um, this is also known as the Late Neolithic or Medium Bronze Age. Uh, so this, um, yeah, again, this this region was, or this, this time period uh, is when we really started to see some of the names of the planets uh, start to come around. And so we're going to start off with the first planet of our solar system, the one that's closest to the sun, which is Mercury. Mercury was named after the Roman messenger god Mercurius. And Mercurius is known for his speed in Roman mythology. And so ancient astronomers named him that because it travels faster. Mercury travels faster um, than all the other planets in the sky. And it's also the smallest planet. And so um, that being said, Mercurius, the uh, uh, messenger god in Roman mythology, is what earned the name uh, for this planet, Mercury. Uh, Mercury is a really interesting orbit. Um, you might have heard about retrograde orbit. This is an apparent motion, so it's not actually moving backwards in its orbit. This is just what we see from Earth. This is what it looks like. This is our visual understanding of it. And that has to do with our positions. has to do with, say, if you see... Um, you know, it, it, like, okay, perfect example. If you're in a car and then there's another car next to you and um, say you start to move forward to look like that car is moving backwards or say that car starts to move forward to look, feel like you're moving backwards. Similar sort of concept here. Then moving into the second planet of our solar system, one just after the orbit of Mercury is Venus. And Venus, also named after a Roman goddess, a Roman goddess of love and beauty. Uh, I, I actually tend to get this, uh, this this name. People because my name is Athena. Um, a lot of people are just like, "Oh, isn't that the uh, the the goddess of love and beauty?" And I'm like, "No, no, no, no. That's one of our planets. I didn't get a planet. Um, <laughs> there's no planet named after me. Um, but but that would that would have been really cool." Uh, and then I'm like, no, Athena is the goddess of war, <laughs> but also wisdom, uh, which is pretty cool. So wisdom and warfare uh, strategy. Uh, so also pretty cool. But anyway, point is Venus. Now, Venus is one of the three terrestrial planets, four terrestrial planets, excuse me, of our solar system. So Mercury is one of them. Venus is the other terrestrial planet. And Venus is also the only planet whose day is longer then it's a year. Now, how does that happen? That's because it is moving very slow as it rotates on its axis. Remember, axis of rotation is different than it revolving around the sun. So we're rotating on our axis. Imagine that you're standing with your feet together and you're spinning in a circle and your feet are just doing like a full circle, full 360. And you're doing a 360 while also now walking around, say, a chair, walking in a circle around the chair. That's your your revolution around the sun. And then you have your axis of rotation, which is um, when you're spinning around your own feet. 
So point is, um, it takes about 243 Earth days for it to spin once on its axis, but only 225 Earth days to complete a full revolution around the sun. So this is why it takes longer for it to have one day, one Venusian day, Venus day, than it does to have one Venusian year, which is kind of funny. Um, also, one other interesting thing is it uh, spins from west to east on its axes as opposed to east to west. All other planets spin from east to west, but this planet spins from west to east. Um, one more little note I put in here is uh, it's also considered to be Earth's twin in size, just the size, nothing else, just the size. Um, they're really close to about the same diameter of each other. Um, but definitely nothing else alike as far as like, like Venus is extremely hot, not just because of its position to the sun, but it also has a really thick, thick atmosphere, which causes something known as a runaway greenhouse effect. You probably heard about this before. You might've heard about it when it comes to climate change here on earth. That's something we don't want to happen. Um, and what's happening is that any type of heat uh, and solar radiation that comes in to uh, passes through the Venusian atmosphere, heats up the surface, but when it goes to radiate back out and escape out into space, where here on Earth we have a thin enough atmosphere where it can go back out into space and, and then it can cool the planet. So it's not trapping it all at heat. The atmosphere is so thick on Venus, these carbon dioxide clouds and ammonia clouds that it traps in all that heat and all it does is it just re-radiates back to the surface, tries to go back out into space, it's trapped and then just keeps heating up the surface and it just keeps increasing it, increasing over time, which is why it's called runaway. Now getting to um, us, our planet, Earth. Earth is the only planet not named after a Greek or Roman god. Uh, which is pretty funny. Uh, it's it's word Earth is Old English. It's an Old English word for ground, um, and it's also that in many languages, like Latin, which is the original name, the origin name, Terra. Terra for is for terrestrial. Terra is the Latin name for ground, meaning it's composed of mainly rocks and metals, making it a terrestrial planet, uh, as opposed to the outer planets, which are composed mainly of gas. So um, Earth is not the only planet that's terrestrial. You also have Mercury, Venus, and the next planet, Mars. So let's right away get into Mars. Mars was named after the Roman god of war. So <laughs> I guess this would kind of be like my companion, to, you know, companion to Athena, because this is a goddess of war. Um, but uh, the the uh, the Greek name is Ares. So I'm gonna. I haven't actually been comparing the Greek and Roman names uh, of gods, but I, I started to actually add those notes in later. Sorry about that. Uh, but Mars is the Roman god of war. The um, Greek name for for war, uh, the war god is Ares, and uh, that's mainly because of its color, which is kind of crazy. Um, because astronomers noticed that it kind of glowed in this reddish hue. To them, it was comparative to blood and fire. And they were like, okay, blood and fire, war. Let's name it after a god of war. And it's actually the second smallest planet of our solar system, so just after Mercury. And what's interesting is it actually has seasons. It has seasons, and that's because of its tilt on its axis. Um, so it has a similar length of day as Earth. It's a little bit longer. 
also than an Earth Day. It's about one Earth Day and 37 minutes. So um, even though it doesn't seem like that much, just you know, about another half hour uh, for humans, so that'll really mess up our circadian rhythm. So before we go ahead and you know plan a moving day to Mars, we've got to start to get our body regulated and used to a Martian Earth Day, which can be very uh, tricky. So good thing it's not more than 37, 37 minutes, otherwise it'd be even more difficult. So a bit of a learning curve there just for our, our biology. Uh, some fun facts. This is when I started adding a lot of length to my notes now. Um, Olympus Mons is the largest mountain in the solar system, and that is on the planet Mars, Olympus Mons. It's named after, actually, Mount Olympus, which is here on Earth. Mount Olympus is the tallest mountain in Greece. Um, it's uh, standing at about just 9,600 feet. Uh, and comparatively to the tallest uh, mountain range, Mount Everest, that's about 29,000 feet. So just a little bit of a comparison here. Also in Greek mythology, uh, this was the home of the Greek gods. So they said that Mount Olympus was the home of the Greek gods. And so Olympus Mons on Mars must have some kind of connection, named it that. Something kind of funny here is a lot of the uh, like things on planets and a lot of the moons of planets also have origins in Greek and Roman mythology, which is interesting. Uh, something I didn't include that I was actually reading up on, rewinding to Venus for a second, a lot of the uh, like the terrain, the craters, the just different things on Venus. Um, different structures are actually named after women uh, here on Earth. There is actually a Tubman crater named after Harriet Tubman, which is really cool. I didn't know that. I uh, learned that earlier today reading a children's book. So <laughs> um, I read children's books a lot. Uh, I don't have any kids, but uh, I myself uh, feel like we should always maintain a little bit of our, our, our child self within us. But also on top of that, it's really helpful to read from kids' books because, uh, yeah, you know, it just, it's always a little bit more simplified, a little more straightforward, and uh, you can always expand on it, which is pretty cool. Now moving into our gas giants, uh, just to give a little bit of a, a little uh, Snapple fact here, even though I, I don't even drink Snapple, but um, just between the orbit of Mars and Jupiter is the asteroid belt. And so the asteroid belt is where, well, a lot of our debris come from, a lot of our asteroids, a lot of our objects that collide with um, with the other planets. And so um, it's not it's not super far. Um, and so it's thought that the reason that Mars underwent losing its atmosphere, losing its um, electromagnetic field has to do with some kind of massive impact from a big object that probably came from the asteroid belt. Uh, I'm going to actually do a quick music break, uh, sip a little bit of water before we get into the other half of our solar system. And so with that being said, if you want to get up and maybe grab a cup of coffee or a sip of water, you can do that now. We'll be back in about half a minute. Thank you. 
Alrighty, let's hop back into it. Um, so, continuing with our uh, fun facts and information about the planets, this ended up turning a little bit more into a an episode talking about. Um, our solar system and some details of the planet, and I'm okay with it. Um, I hope you're okay with it too. So Jupiter is the largest planet in our solar system. So kudos to Jupiter. And so because it's the largest planet in our solar system, it gets the name of the Greek and Romans most powerful god, Zeus. So the Greek name of the Roman god, Jupiter, is Zeus. Um, and so it gets that name, which is really, really pretty crazy. Uh, it's known as the god of sky, of the sky and thunder, and it's king of the Roman pantheon. Um, and so that being said, uh, with it being the, the most powerful god, uh, it's also the third most bright, brightest object in our night sky. Just behind, of course, you know, or just, just after, uh, the two other brightest objects, which are the moon really bright. <laughs> and Venus. Venus is uh, mentioned this so many times on the show, but uh, also has the nickname of the evening star. And that is because it is usually one of the first objects you can see in the night sky other than the moon, uh, just around twilight, which is that time period after sunset, just before uh, dusk. And so uh, just before the sky gets a little bit dark, um, you get you get start to see the stars become visible. And so with that being said, um, it has about, so this was interesting. Uh, it has 79 moons, which I already knew about, but then I was like reading a little bit more that that number has now come up to 80 moons. Um, I haven't looked up the most recent moon discovery, but I just put 79 slash 80 moons uh, that are orbiting around it, which is really, really crazy. We've talked about it once before on the show. Um, although that's a lot of moons, uh, it was known as the planet to have the most moons until a couple of years ago. I believe it was 2019 or 2018, where it was discovered that Saturn now has 82 moons. Saturn used to have an observational amount of 63 and then recently, uh, astronomers started observing uh, more moons. So pretty cool. It lacks, Jupiter lacks a solid surface, but likely has a solid core. But because it doesn't have a solid surface, this is why storms like the Great Red Spot, which is a hurricane, can go on for centuries. This Great Red Spot has actually uh, been going on for about 186 years. Uh, but uh, this is because since there's no surface, there's nothing to absorb the storm, nothing to observe, absorb the power and energy of the storm. And so it just continues and continues and continues, which is crazy. The Great Red Spot is bigger than Earth, which is pretty cool. Uh, well, maybe not cool if, uh, <laughs> if, if, you know, we were like right next to it, but it's kind of cool for perspective. And um, the day on Jupiter is less than 10 hours long on Earth. So it has the fastest rotation period of all the planets in our solar system. So awesome, awesome Jupiter. I added a little note in here about one of the moons of Jupiter and uh, it's Europa. So Europa is one of the smallest, the, sorry, the smallest of the four Galilean moons. So Galileo, Galilei uh, was the first to observe the moons around Jupiter, uh, but he only observed four. They are the largest moons uh, around Jupiter. <laughs> you don't observe all 80. Uh, and the smallest one is Europa. What's interesting about it, it has an ocean of water under its icy surface, which is crazy. I'm going to read a quote from NASA. 
Europa has only a tenuous atmosphere of oxygen. But in 2013, NASA announced that researchers using the Hubble Space Telescope found evidence that Europa might be actively venting water into space. This would mean the moon is geologically active in the present day. Another quote, Europa's surface is blasted by radiation from Jupiter. That's a bad thing for a life on the surface. It couldn't survive. But the radiation may create fuel for life in an ocean below the surface. Ocean colony. The radiation splits apart water molecules, H2O, which, uh, yeah, may, uh, it's funny, made of oxygen and hydrogen, in case you didn't know. But, you know, let me keep that open. Maybe we didn't know. But H2O, made of oxygen and, <laughs> and hydrogen, in Europa's extremely tenuous atmosphere. And so, end quote. So that being said, a really interesting moon here. Very, I I talk about Enceladus a lot, but I think we should do an episode on Europa and Enceladus and uh, the the moons of the solar system where there could potentially be life. Um, And it's just so mind blowing. Um, There's quite a lot of moons we can talk about. Uh, Let's see. I don't think I wrote anything in for Saturn this time around, but um, Saturn's moons, but we'll just get into Saturn in itself. But all that being said, uh, really interesting stuff there around Jupiter. Let's keep moving forward with the gas giants. We've got Saturn named after the Roman god of agriculture and wealth. Uh, it's the Greek god's name is Cronus, uh, which is also the father of Jupiter. And uh, here is a quote. According to myth, Saturn introduced agriculture to his people by teaching them how to fo- farm the land. Saturn was also the Roman god of time, and this is perhaps why the slowest in orbit around the sun of the five bright planets was named after him. In Roman mythology, Saturn was the father of Jupiter. Saturday is also named after the Roman god Saturn, which is known as Saturn's Day. I remember learning that. Uh, so end quote. That is from the credit is Cool Cosmos, by the way. Really cool website, Cool Cosmos. Um, but I remember learning about Saturn's Day in high school. And I was like, whoa, another reason to love Saturday. Super cool. Um, so something else I added in here the, uh, actually are about the moons of Saturn, but none of them specific, I don't think. It's about Saturn's moons having the names from Inuit mythology since a lot of the names of Greek and Roman gods have slowly begun being taken up for other planets, moons, and celestial objects. Uh, Inuit myths and legends are usually short, dramatic forms dealing with the wonders of the world, the creation, the heavens, birth, love, hunting, and sharing food, respect for the aged, uh, murder, and yeah, a bunch of other stuff, really interesting, mystery of the afterlife, Inuit religion is the shared spiritual beliefs and practices of the Inuit, an indigenous people of Alaska, Canada, and Greenland. Their religion shares many similarities with some Alaska native religions, end quote. So uh, the last part uh, was just some stuff I actually pulled off of both the Inuit myths website uh, and then also off of uh, Wikipedia, good old Wikipedia at the end. Um, so with all that being said, I, I didn't know about this. Um, I did not know those names derived from there until I actually ended up researching this because I understood that a lot of our solar system, and many of us might know this, um, 
these planets have names that derive from Greek mythology, Roman mythology. But yeah, what happens when you know you keep discovering objects and you kind of run out of names? You know, like there's only so many gods and goddesses. Um, and so this was a really cool thing. I didn't know much about the Inuit religion um, and that it derived from Alaska, Canada, and Greenland. So that being said, that and Saturn's day, aka Saturday, let's go ahead and celebrate that this weekend. Moving forward uh, to the last two planets of our solar system that we're going to chat about today. They are known as the ice giants. Uh, before I even give any details about these, they're my favorite to learn about because um, they are just so, so cold, um, are, are composed of so much gas, but have a solid surface and undergo so much pressure and they have so much carbon uh, found in their atmospheres that they probably undergo a lot of pressure from the size that it causes it to rain diamonds, uh, Possibly. <laughs> it's not, I don't think it's been, it hasn't been observed or confirmed yet. No one's really gone to these planets and have, have stood in a, a shower of diamonds, but that'd be just so cool to picture. Uh, but it's very, very probable. Uh, it's very likely. So let's move forward. Uranus, named after the Greek god of the sky, Oranos. O-U-R-A-N-O-S. The name in Roman mythology is Kalus, C-A-E-L-U-S, Kalus. What's interesting about Uranus is it's actually the only planet named after the Greek iteration rather than Roman. So most of the planets we've mentioned named after the Roman iteration of the Roman god. Uh, but this is the first one that ha is named after the Greek iteration of that instead. Uranus was the father of Cronus, which is Saturn, and the grandfather of Zeus. Zeus is the Greek version of Jupiter. And so with all these planets laid out in the sky, it's kind of like a family tree. And so astronomers during this time period were looking at these planets and looking at the gods and saying, okay, like, huh, let's, let's name them after what we see from their size, their behavior, Jupiter being the biggest, the largest, the most powerful of the planets. Let's name it after the, the king god, Zeus. Um, and then followed by Saturn or Cronus, who is, uh, you know, the, then the, um, the son of Zeus and then Uranus, um, father of Saturn. So really interesting kind of family tree we got going on in the, in the night sky. Uranus and Neptune are known as the ice giants, as I mentioned. Uh, and that, you know, what's interesting about it is they are mainly composed of hydrogen and helium gas. So they're still considered to be gas giants with the other two gas giants, Jupiter and Saturn. But because they're so far out in the solar system, this is why they're so cold, so far away from the sun, it gets much cooler going out further out in our solar system. Uranus um, also appears to be light blue through a telescope, and it's tilted at nearly a right angle to its orbit. It has a tilt of 97.77 degrees, uh, which is really crazy. And so uh, just with a little bit of perspective, Earth has a tilt of it on its axis of about 23 degrees. This is what causes our seasons because we're tilted. And as we rotate around the sun, um, different parts of our planet face the sun, different parts of it face away. And it constantly keeps rotating. I just did a hand gesture, but I keep forgetting you guys can't see. 
because <laughs> this is all audio. But uh, that being said, uh, go, go check out the the orbit um, and the tilt of Uranus. It's really interesting. Um, it does have rings like Saturn. Um, oh, I, I thought I wrote some stuff about Saturn's rings, but I, I guess not. Um, the rings of Uranus, because it's tilted on its axis, run vertically from north to south. Um, which is really kind of cool. So that gives a little bit more perspective of how this uh, planet looks and how it's positioned. At any given time, one of its poles is pointed directly toward the sun. So whether it's the North Pole, the South Pole, but while it's rotating, that tends to switch as opposed to its equator. So like here on Earth, uh, we have our equator that's generally pointed towards the sun, which is why that tends to be the region where we not only are more bulged because the shape of Earth is not perfectly spherical, we are an oblate spheroid. Um, and so because of this, it, uh, this is where not only our equator is, but this is also why a lot of rocket launches happen there. We have a slightly more elevation, a little bit closer to space than anywhere else. Um, one more fun fact I wrote down is that uh, it most likely went through a massive collision, underwent a massive collision with an object about the size of Earth. This is possibly what uh, astronomers believe what caused it to be tilted like this is by undergoing a really big collision. Uh, keep in mind, we're further, further out in the solar system now. So there are a lot more objects now, smaller objects, tiny objects like uh, dwarf planets and uh the Oort cloud. So you have a ton of things like where comets come from, uh, generally tend to come from areas around the Oort cloud, which are broken up, tiny, but sometimes large pieces of icy material and matter. And a lot of times that can come towards the inner solar system and cause collisions, um, or also a nice tail of a comet or trail. And if Earth intercepts that, we end up catching a meteor shower, which is pretty cool. But anyway, we're not talking about meteor showers. We're talking about planets. So this brings me to our last planet, our last main planet of the solar system, Neptune. Neptune is actually my personal favorite. Um, it's kind of a silly reason, I guess, but not really silly. A lot of people tend to have the same reason. It has to do with its beautiful royal blue color. And because of its color... Uh, early astronomers named it after the Roman god of the sea, Neptune, which you guys, you know, it's pretty straightforward. You probably have heard about Neptune before. Well, the Greek name is Poseidon. And so this being said, um, they thought for a long time that this had to have been something that, uh, yeah, rule, was ruled by Neptune. It has to be something tied to the sea or the ocean. Um, but uh, it's actually not. It, it, it wasn't observed uh, for a very long time. Uh, in fact, the discovery of Neptune, this was the only planet that wasn't discovered um, observationally. It was discovered mathematically. So uh, by actually looking at the um, orbit of Uranus, astronomers realized, huh, there's something a little bit off here with the orbit of Uranus. There must be another object that's influencing Uranus. There has to be another planet beyond Uranus. Um, and so this is when they named it Neptune. Uh, they understood that there, that there must be something else there. And it was confirmed in 1846 by German astronomer Johann Gottfried Galle. He discovered the ne Neptune at the Berlin Observatory. 
So because Neptune is so far away, it's so dim, you can't see it without a telescope or binoculars. And I just think this is so cool that it was the only planet that was discovered not by observation, but by a calculated prediction. Um, and the fact that it was based on looking at the orbit of Uranus. I think that's super, super cool. Some other funny things about Neptune is uh, it's observed to be one of the windiest and stormiest places in the solar system. It also has a massive storm like the Great Red Spot on Jupiter. And this one is called the Great Dark Spot. I know, <laughs> astronomers really <laughs> just so unique here with the names. Uh, the Great Dark Spot, uh, which is really cool. Also a massive cyclone happening um, very similar to the Great Red Spot on Jupiter. Um, and um, really, yeah, really, really kind of windy, crazy, sp- crazy place. As I mentioned before, uh, no one has gone there, so we don't exactly know what, what uh, I guess is kind of what it would be like to be on the surface. But we have some understanding thanks to missions like the Voyager missions um, and stuff like that. One more fun fact I wrote down about Neptune is um, since it was discovered, it's only had one full orbit or year, so one full orbit around the sun or Neptunian year. And this is because its rotational period is 165 Earth days. So pretty cool. Um, pretty, pretty, pretty funny thing here that's uh, going on. So it's only had about one full year since um, since its discovery. Uh, really slow planet, but that's okay. Um it's again still like really beautiful, awesome, bright blue planet. But those are um, all of the planets, other names, why they're named, what they're named, how they're named, what they're named. Uh, kind of going back to talking about Earth for a second, being named, you know, after the ground, uh, Terra, and many other languages, the, all of them refer to earth as something that's like rocky and kind of like just dirt and ground uh, it didn't to, to people it was unlike the untouchable heavens above it was very different earth was a very um just yeah mortal place it wasn't it was special but it wasn't anything like the gods and so this is why it was the only planet that wasn't named after what these greek and roman mythology gods or deities people that uh, things that people looked up to and worshipped and i think that that's quite interesting um and i wonder if we had named the planets after we had already like sort of understood the formation of the solar system, understood that we're not the center, understood that what we see in the night sky isn't full of finite points on something known as the celestial sphere, then would we have named the planets after gods? Kind of just makes you wonder. But that's um, about everything, as I mentioned already, that I was going to go over today. Um, We are already uh, creeping up on 40 minutes here. So uh, as far as exploring the dwarf planets like Pluto and beyond that and looking at um, exoplanets, we'll do that in another episode in the future. Um, But if you guys are around, tune in tomorrow. We're talking about Hypatia for our historical figures. I'm really excited to get into her, uh, especially after watching uh, a movie about her, which was really cool. Watched a while ago. Um, but she um, played some really important roles in early astronomy, especially with uh, the introduction of the astrolabe. 
a really important tool. Uh, we can actually make it ourselves at home with some paper and pencil and string. Um, but that, that's going to be tomorrow. And then Thursday, I have my first interview, Dr. Intergalactic. I am so excited for that interview. So make sure you tune in um, to both of these episodes on Space Talk at 3 p.m. Central Standard Time tomorrow and Thursday. That's everything I got for you guys today. I hope you go out and explore the night sky. And until next time, add Astra.